turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 8. I'll be reading Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 through 13. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant He mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For He finds fault with them when He says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in My covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put My laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be My people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know Me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of a new covenant, He makes the first one obsolete. Father, may the eternal preciousness of the new covenant this morning be felt. Love. May thanksgiving for it rise. And with that, may our local church covenant as members be viewed as precious and biblical all to the glory of Jesus Christ to the safety and the sanctification of our hearts and our lives as Your people in this age. I pray. Amen. I I really love this morning. Because this sermon that I'm going to preach is going to culminate in receiving two new members into Sovereign Grace Fellowship. Alejandra Tangari and Danny Luros. And they will be received as members at the end of this by joyfully vowing to our church covenant, which begins with the words, we do now solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with each other. 
And so that's what I'm going to do in my sermon. Just I'm going to take this opportunity to again to say, what is church membership here and in thousands of local churches throughout the world today? What is this covenant, this contract, this pact, this promise saying, yes, I'm accountable here. What is this about? So first, here's my entire sermon in 64 seconds, and then we'll make it a little longer after that. It goes like this. The new covenant that we just read about in Hebrews 8 and that Jeremiah prophesied about, the new covenant that God makes creates a people. These people here on earth in this age, when they come to Jesus Christ, makes them new covenant people, they find each other. They gather in community, localized communities for accountability, for the preaching of the Word in worship and service. And so, just with that, this is what I want you to think about. That brings with it an implicit, not explicit, just an implicit, an implied covenant amongst those people. There's an implied covenant horizontally for all those who are vertically in the new covenant with God in these local assemblies all over the earth. And thus, for clarity's sake, and for the power that it produces in local church communities, the making of that implied or implicit covenant explicit is really wise. Christians living in covenant with one another in the context of local churches. That's my sermon. So let's go at it again. The New Covenant was prophesied by Jeremiah 600 years before the first century A.D. And the Hebrew writer in the New Testament picks up on it and he quotes it in chapter 8. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put My laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be My people. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. That's the new covenant. At the Last Supper, Jesus took the cup and He said, this is My blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. And that many is the church. It's the body of Christ. It's all of those who come By the new covenant promise, I, God, will write My law on their heart. I'll change their heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Those sinners come out from the world. And Jesus says, this blood was shed for them. This is what purchased 
the promise of the new covenant. And so what happened with Jesus when He went to the cross and shed His blood as a substitutionary atonement, God was fulfilling the promise. This was God's ultimate, decisive, sovereign act to create a new covenant people for Himself. For His Son. That's the new covenant He purchased as the writer of Hebrews goes on. And I will be their God and they shall be My people. They shall not need to teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother. Know the Lord. Because they shall all know Me. From the least of them to the greatest. That's very unlike the Old Covenant. All of Israel in the Old Covenant God's covenant people, it did not mean that they knew the Lord. But they had a covenant. Some knew the Lord by new birth and others did not. Nobody who is actually in the new covenant is a person who does not know the Lord savingly. There are many who think they might be in the new covenant, but if they have not been born again, if they have not been raised from the dead spiritually, they are not New Covenant people. At least, not yet. Though they may be church members. See, the New Covenant is not just something that God purposes try to do it. It is something that He actually accomplishes every time for every New Covenant person. I will write it on there. It is the creation of a person, another person, another person, another person. A people. It is the creation of a people that is defined by God's sovereign work. Nothing else. It's not defined by their race, their ethnic background, their religious background and origin. Male or female, rich or poor. It is defined by God supernaturally changing their hearts so that they come to Jesus. And they will never forsake Him. They will be His people. As the text says, and He will be their God. Now, you come to the New Testament. What is that change of heart that Jeremiah and then Ezekiel prophesy about this new covenant? And it's called by Jesus and by Peter, new birth. It it is the Spirit blowing and taking dead sinners who have no true desire to enjoy and to love and to obey God and changes their heart. And we look back and see how, how that happened. This is the cup of My blood of the New Covenant. He purchased that happening. And you see those people because there's evidences that at the core, it's like this. I heard that good news of Jesus. Wow! That's awesome. That that sounds really good to me. Yes, I, I believe that. And there they are. Those are those people. And so, 
all of us who have come to genuine saving faith, that we are Christians, it is because of the irresistible force of the new covenant promise God gave to Jeremiah in Ezekiel, in Jesus' purchase. The new covenant creates the church. And it guarantees that the gates of hell will never prevail against Jesus' church. The Father has given the church to His Son as a bride by the sacred marriage oath called the New Covenant. Okay. Got that? Just have that sit there. That's the foundation of everything I'm going to say. That is the reason why it is fitting that it makes a lot of sense for local churches to be formed as covenant communities. Covenant promises, contracts, pacts. Bind me to this. Yes, keep me accountable. I keep you accountable. We come together in a contract, but we don't need a lawyer to do it. That is, assemblies of these new covenant people all over the earth. They come together to be the church for each other in local settings. So just follow the reasoning again. Jesus has created us by a covenant to be His people. Not just individuals floating around, but a people, a body made up of individuals called the bride, not brides, the bride of Christ. And therefore, to fulfill that covenant calling while we are here on earth demands that we form into assemblies called churches. The gathering, the called out ones, that is into visible churches which make a covenant together to be the body of Christ for each other, for the world, and for the glory of God. What makes a group of people, a church as opposed to a local club, is a covenant. A solemn pledge to one another that they will, they do now, and they will continue to believe in Christ and the Gospel of Christ and to care for one another and to pursue a holy life and to worship and to do ministry all as the New Testament commands. So the new covenant that was promised, the Jesus purchase creates the universal church. Yes. We believe in one holy, Catholic, meaning universal, church. There is a sense in which there is, biblically, only one body of Christ, living and dead, centuries past and in the future, in heaven right now and on earth. The church, universal, invisible, Human beings right now walking around as sinners are part of the church. Those who have been raised from the dead and others who remain outside of Christ are still dead 
to God. All that's true. The new covenant establishes a people that's much larger than any local church. But now I stress local church, visible church life, because these people meet together and they submit to one another in various ten thousands of units all over the earth. Local church gatherings. This is clear in the New Testament. As Paul writes to the church at Corinth, the meaning not the other churches in other places. To the church in Philippi. Or when he writes to the Galatians, to the churches, plural, in the region of Galatia. Or when Jesus speaks to the seven different churches in Asia Minor in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. There is, yes, biblically, one body. One universal church. And then there are thousands of local assemblies, churches, up beside one another. Alright, just think with me here. If we understand the New Covenant, it means that a person is brought to faith in Christ. And usually, or often, that happens before they ever become a part of a particular local church. Not always. Sometimes it's flipped around because we're all messed up. That's how that happens. I'm in Christ. I'm saved. I'm not going to get saved by becoming a member of a church. I got saved. Then you find the local church. Therefore, the reality of a genuine profession of faith, it doesn't make a person a part of any local church necessarily. So what establishes this? The visible union of a group of believers as a local expression of the church is that they make a covenant with each other to be the church. So, for instance, at Sovereign Grace Fellowship, we are rooted ultimately in God's sovereign call of the New Covenant that creates a visible people. And then, out of that, this community is rooted in the biblical necessity of becoming a local expression of that one global New Covenant people of God. Nobody is ever, New Testament-wise, meant to be a Lone Ranger Christian. That is called sin. So Sovereign Grace Fellowship exists because of covenant commitments. First, we exist because of God's new covenant commitment to purchase us and to bring us to Jesus. 
Second, we exist because of our own church covenant. We'll be reading the end. We exist because of our own church covenant, like ten thousands of other churches with their own church covenants, which is a commitment to trust in and to love the gospel of Jesus. It's a commitment. Yes, I'm in to worship Him, to walk with Him, to, as a sinner being saved, live a repentant life, to be held accountable by the brothers and sisters in my local church, and to hold them accountable in the ways that the New Testament commands. That's what a local church covenant is. Just listen to the reality of the way Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11. There's the big one church, and there's many churches, and this church is not that church. And I belong to this church, I don't belong to that church. He writes, When you come together as a church... Church in that context is not the universal church. Paul's referring to the people of the new covenant who are gathered in one place for worship, mutual submission, gospel ministry. It's elder led, has biblical preaching, and practices the ordinances of baptism and communion. When you come together as a church, I don't think the Corinthians were going, wait a minute, we we don't have any idea who actually belongs to this church here. They knew who was in and they knew who was out. So I think it's clear that God wills for the new covenant to ultimately create local churches. His new covenant promises. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. That does not just create the universal church of saved people floating around on earth. It doesn't just create the mystical body of Christ of all who are mystically In Jesus Christ. That's true. But it creates local, visible expressions of that body in specific local gatherings called churches. So, what is to be the mentality then of these new covenant people who are meant to exist in local churches. But the answer is when a number of believers, I believe in Christ. You believe in Christ? Really? What gospel? Let me hear it. Yes, that's what I believe. Jesus is the Savior. God became man, fulfilled the prophecies, died, and was bodily resurrected from the dead. He turned my life around. That's what happened to me. Actually, it happened to me outside of a church. Just reading the Bible as a 19-year-old. Very confused. Something transformed my life. 
I look at the Bible, I see what it was. The wind blew. It was a new covenant person. And then these people find each other. They come together in local expressions. And we recognize God has thousands upon thousands of other local expressions of the church. But we are to go further and to understand that we are in a covenant relationship with God in the New Covenant. And therefore, we are bound to each other by that covenant. And so in local church expressions of that particular family here or there or somewhere else, we make those covenant expressions explicit through church covenants. The covenant that makes us belong to God also makes us belong to each other in the body of Christ and therefore even more, bring it even closer not to the whole body as a whole, which we are, to all believers everywhere, but in a particular way, believers are part of a particular local body of Christ via church covenant. Accountability, commitment. Alright, so, as I said, when I became a Christian 30 years ago outside of the church, it took me out nine months to find the local church, 32 years ago. And when I did, I was at a church that, like many thousands of churches, played down the idea of church membership. Now, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do, I'm gonna, I know some foundational reasons why they do it. It's what was my mentality, and there's a lot of good stuff in this mentality. But here's the mentality early on 30 years ago for me. Members, what do you mean become an official man? I'm here, I'm here every Sunday. You got my time, my talent, my treasures, my money, my, my evangelism. I mean, every, what are you talking about? Make it official because I had this idea, and there's truth here is this. If a new covenant person is genuinely a new covenant person, if they have been born again, it has been written on their hearts according to Jeremiah, then their love for God and their love for the family of God in Jesus will be genuine. Why have a church membership role? Uh, and listen to this. Is John the Apostle agrees with this. This is how he says it in 1 John chapter 3. We know that we have passed out of death into life, that we're genuine believers, alive to God. How? Because we love the brothers, sisters. He says, because when you've come to Jesus, there's something in you that loves other broken, messed up people who have come to Jesus. And he goes on to say, whoever does not love remains in death. Like he's saying, they are not spiritually alive. He goes on, by this we know love, that He laid down 
His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And this is His commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. Okay, so yes, if you're genuine, you'll act genuine. Okay, that's whether you have membership or not membership, neither here nor there. You'll see the you'll see the fruit. A lot of truth to that because the covenant that we have been reading of Jeremiah says, "And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother. Know the Lord, for they shall all know me." Or we could add, they don't have to teach each one his brother. Love and commit to the body of Christ in its local expression of local churches, for they shall all do that. That was my reasoning. And there's a lot of deep truth to that argument. And that's why there are thousands upon ten thousands of genuine Christ-loving believers throughout this world today who have been transformed by the New Covenant. And out of that change, they do live out a deep commitment to their local churches that don't give them an opportunity to become official members. But think about it. If that's true, and a church gave them the opportunity to say, would you like to express and commit explicitly to what is implicitly true about your commitment? Wouldn't they be thrilled to do so? My marriage covenant with my wife that I made on July 24th, 1993, it did not cause my love and my commitment to her. It confirmed it and it solidified it in covenant. Millions of men today live with their girlfriends for years, many of them, without a marriage covenant. And usually you hear a lot of them say, well, we don't really believe in marriage. There's no need to get married. I'm committed. Besides, marriage is just a piece of paper. And that never made any sense to me. If it's just a piece of paper, then why don't you go get one and sign it? Because they know it's not just a piece of paper. They know they're signing a legal document that is going to say, put your money where your mouth is about this commitment. They don't want that. They don't want to be that accountable. Now, nowhere in the Bible does it say you must have a written church covenant. And neither does it say in the Bible that you shall have a marriage license. 
or a ring on your finger or whatever other different cultures do to signify a covenant of marriage. But what a good idea a marriage license and a ring on the finger is. Now, let me make a couple comments. Membership in a local church, any local church, it doesn't mean people could never leave that local church and then covenant with another local church. Okay. Unlike marriage. They can. And that's part of our covenant as long as people do that in good standing with their local church. The bride of Christ is much larger than Sovereign Grace Fellowship or the church down the street here or the four churches over here. Much larger. But it means that while we are members of particular local churches, we are members by a a covenant, a promise, a pact. That's why at this church, and hopefully many churches, people don't have to be members in order to worship here in this assembly. Visitors are always welcome. Unbelievers are welcome to come here on Sunday, come back week after week, hear the Gospel, observe these peculiar people worshiping God through Jesus Christ. We welcome that here. But Jesus' body in community is not just a local club like the Kiwanis or the Rotary or a softball team. It is His bride in local expressions all over the world. Genuine believers are meant to realize that being a new covenant person comes with responsibility. Responsibility to pursue God to pursue holiness in their life, to pursue worship, to pursue and to uphold the truth of the Gospel and orthodox doctrine, to pursue evangelism, all by helping one another fight the fight of faith in a covenant of accountability. People of the new covenant who have been born again are owned by God. That's what the text says. They shall be My people. And He takes them and He puts them into the body. This is how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 12. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God, 
has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you, Corinthians, are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So, one way to look at it would be to say that a church without a church covenant is like a marriage without marriage vows. What are we covenanting to, honey? Marriage vows are not spelled out in the Bible. Just like local church covenants are not spelled out in the Bible, but both follow necessarily from the nature of those particular biblical relationships. So, we're about done. We're going to call up two people in a moment. The new covenant creates a new people. Those people find each other and they gather together in local churches and vicinities with a church covenant that commits them to God and to one another to be the body of Christ. In a moment, we are going to again read through our church covenant that all of us who are presently members at Sovereign Grace Fellowship have pledged to. It's going to be a joy. Uh, You, Danny, and Alejandra, please come up and stand right here. Right over here. What an awesome day. I'm just going to say just personally, I thought, oh no, I can't, I need to be long. I won't be long. But, I, Alex, I've known you since you were born. And Danny, I think it was when you were eight years old. And today, in these next few moments, <coughs> that you two are going to make our covenant here at Sovereign Grace Fellowship, your covenant with us is really a joy to me. And so doing, as I read it, they're saying yes, and they're going to say yes at the end. This is a demonstration of your faith in Jesus Christ and your desire to be a member and a part and accountable and to hold others accountable in this body. So, here we go. Having, as we trust, been brought by divine grace to repent and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to give up ourselves to Him, and having been baptized upon our profession of faith in the name of the Father and of the Son, 
and of the Holy Spirit, we do now, relying on His gracious aid, solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with each other. We will work and pray for the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We will walk together in brotherly love as becomes the members of a Christian church. Exercise an affectionate care and watchfulness over each other and faithfully admonish and entreat one another as occasion may require. We will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together nor neglect to pray for ourselves and others. We will endeavor to bring up such as may at any time be under our care in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord and by a pure and loving example to seek the salvation of our family and our friends. We will rejoice at each other's happiness and endeavor with tenderness and sympathy to bear each other's burdens and sorrows. We will seek by divine aid to live carefully in the world, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, and to aid one another in sickness and in distress, to be slow to take offense. And remembering that as we have been voluntarily buried by baptism and raised again from the symbolic grave, so there is on us a special obligation now to lead a new and holy life. We will work together for the continuance of a faithful evangelical ministry in this church as we sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. We will contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the Gospel through all nations. We will, when we move from this place, as soon as possible, unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's Word. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Alejandra, is this your covenant with us members here at Sovereign Grace Fellowship? Danny, is this your covenant with us members here at Sovereign Grace Fellowship? Yes. Members of Sovereign Grace Fellowship, is this your covenant with these two? Yes. Amen. Turn this way. We're going to lay hands on you and pray for you. Father, we thank You for this wonderful, glorious moment. This little baby, I remember seeing for the first time on a couch on Anza. It was many years ago. And Danny is an eight-year-old boy. 
It's more than just receiving them today, but it's watching their lives, watching their minds, watching their heart, watching their passions. You are good, Father. Your Gospel is glorious. We never take it for granted that children being raised up in Christian homes will be Christians. This is a glorious, glorious confirmation of their baptism, Father. We thank You. And may You keep, protect, grow, and nurture them here. May You cause them to be more and more of a blessing to us here at Sovereign Grace Fellowship. To the glory of Your name. Amen. Amen. You may now be seated.